Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right, all right, all right. Stand with me, if you would, please. Welcome all of you watching online. Don't be distracted. Today's message is life-changing because it's something we're all going through. So don't turn me off. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So glad that you're here, and I'm uh, beginning a series entitled, Your Pain Doesn't Have to Remain. Uh, our world right now is in great pain. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is, your church denomination is, the world is going through pain. So if we're going through something or we're encountering something, we need a game plan to get through the something that's facing us. And so when it comes to pain, most of the time, we all identify with physical pain. It's very simple. If your shoulder hurts, you can go to the doctor. My shoulder hurts. The doctor knows exactly what to do with that pain. Your knee hurts. He knows exactly what to do with that pain. Whatever it might be, it's pretty simple. The greater challenge is, is when your soul is in pain. Now, your soul is made up of mind, will, and emotions. And so it's very difficult, even if it was just your mind, you say, well, you know, that's soul, mind, interchangeable. It's not. There are three components to your soul, mind, will, emotions. And so you have to identify what it is you're feeling. Try to somehow say, well, you know, I don't know what it is, but but I just, I'm not happy, I don't feel right, I'm confused, I'm, you know, whatever it might be. And, and then, you, you know, a, a counselor, a therapist would have to begin saying, well, when do you feel that way? What causes that emotion? Uh, well, I'm not sure it's an emotion, but every time I think, okay, what causes that thought? And so we begin to investigate in order to try to get to the bottom of the problem. But most of the time, in a world that's filled with pharmaceuticals, uh, rather than getting to the root of the problem, we start medicating the problem. Now, I'm not against medication. That's not the point here. But how many of us know that if you take one medication, you have to take three others to counter the side effects of the one you're taking? I mean, some of the stuff they advertise on television, it's like, I think I'm going to risk dying of the pain because I'm going to die of something else if I keep taking everything you tell me I have to take because I'm taking one. So, not against it, but I'm just saying, wouldn't you rather say, I'm going to find out the, the, what's causing this, and I'm going to go to the root cause instead of addressing the symptom. So I'm going to try to help us with that today, and I'm going to start in the, the greatest gospel, and the greatest book in the Bible, the book of Mark, chapter 14. I'm sorry, Jesse, there ain't a book of Jesse. But you know what? You're still famous in the Bible, right? Okay, I know that. I'm giving you props, my brother. Verse 32. 
They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to uh, be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Now notice, he said, my soul. So Jesus is, right now he's saying, before I ever get to the physical part, of the pain that most of the world knows about, many agree with and some disagree with the cross and yada, yada. Before he ever got to that place, his soul was overwhelmed. Going a little farther, he fell down uh, on the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. In other words, your body and your spirit, your body and your soul need to work in cooperation with one another. And he's telling Peter, he's warning Peter that if you don't do this, this, what I'm experiencing right now, you're going to experience because you're going to fall into temptation. So Jesus is giving them a heads up about how to keep their soul whole. And it goes on, once more he went away, prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, Jesus took several steps here that would help us. I could preach this and be done, but it may not connect with everybody, so I'll do just a little bit more. First thing is, Jesus acknowledged his pain. Now, some of us grew up in a world where you were taught just to work through the pain, play through the pain. Uh, I was injured going into high school and hurt my shoulder real bad to the point I could hardly lift it. And playing quarterback, that's, that's not a good thing. And so I would have to adjust because I knew if I got surgery, my, it was over. That was back before arthroscopic. They ripped you wide open, and they, they did all the work. So I knew that, how many of you know, you got mothers who go, I just hate that game, you know. And so my mother didn't want me to play anyway, so I thought if I tell anybody. So we were taught to conceal our pain. Let me help you with something. If you conceal your pain, your pain will remain. You have to acknowledge that you're experiencing pain. That's the beginning of healing. If you don't express what you feel, you will never heal. So Jesus is, this is the Son of God, and he's in great anguish. He's feeling, he's thinking, he's, he's experiencing all of the things that a human being would experience as they prepare to suffer physically. And so most of the pain in our lives is internal, hard to identify, why do I feel this way when I go to a certain place, when I get around a certain person? Why do I think these thoughts when I... And the list goes on. And you have to peel layer after layer off of your soul to get to the core of what it is that causes you to have that, that emotion or that thought. 
we all have people that if you mention their name to us, uh, you know, each of us have our own little people, our own little demons, if you will, that, uh, that you mention somebody's name and you feel this sense of pain. They betrayed you. They didn't stick with you. They didn't have your back when they said they would. And all of a sudden, you'll, you experience that pain until you acknowledge, I've got this pain. I don't want it anymore. I need to confront it. And so Jesus acknowledges his pain. You hear it in his voice. His, his friends are betraying him. And I'll get to this in a moment. The people he were, was in relationship with, the three top disciples, are sleeping on the job. Jesus goes, couldn't you hang out with me? Couldn't you at least be there for me? Couldn't you at least stay awake? His mind is in anguish. His emotions, his feelings, everything he's going through. First thing, acknowledge the pain. Now, it's easy physically. We don't get too upset about that. As a matter of fact, a lot of men like being injured gets attention. Am I right? Yeah, you know, you get attention. And then if you're not careful, you'll embrace the pain and let the pain embrace you because the pain has opened the door for you to get the attention you've never gotten before. You see what I'm talking about? Some people, it's the only way they can get somebody's attention is to stay in the pain. Keep talking about it. It becomes chronic. And, and the body could be healed, but the mind doesn't want it to, and you don't take the steps you need to take to get the healing that's available. Second thing is Jesus pressed. He pushed. He didn't. It says three times he went back to them. Three times. Jesus is going, i got to get through this. I, he could have just said, forget it. These knuckleheads aren't going to help me. Instead, he keeps going back, and he's pressing. I'm, I'm in anguish. I need some help. In a society, this is a problem, and it's getting better, fortunately, where everyone goes through moments of mental illness, just like you go through moments in the winter of having a cold. We have no shame in physically telling someone, I've got a cold. My physical body is not well right now. We have no problem. But everybody in here and watching online will encounter the temptation or mental illness, whatever you want to call it. It's a hiccup of the mind. And you just, you just kind of in a moment, you go into a brain fog. When somebody's name is mentioned, you're angry. You don't like them. You don't want to be around them. You don't want somebody to talk about them. It's painful when that happens. And we've got to address the pain, and Jesus is addressing it. And finally, after acknowledging it and pressing he surrenders. He says, please take this cup, but not my will, but your will be done. In other words, he's saying, I don't like this pain, but I know that I have to experience this pain to get to where I'm going, and I'm going to get through it. You're going to get through your pain. You're not going to live with this the rest of your life. You're not going to allow this pain to control you and dominate your every thought. Physically, I've got some things that I have to deal with every day. Injuries, past injuries, and, and every now and then, I feel those things. And, and, you know, used to when I was a kid, you could just jump out of bed. You know what I'm saying? Now you crawl out. It's like, and then your body snap, crackle, pop, Rice Krispies. And then you get to going again. I don't say, well, I just, I'm so bad, I'm getting so old. No, I just sound better than I've ever sounded. There was no sound to me hopping out of bed when I was a kid. Now I'm a musical instrument. 
I celebrate. I'm still alive and well. I'm not going to let pain control my decisions. Somebody said, well, you know, I can't do that anymore. I'm going to do it till I can't get up. You just keep fighting through, saying, you know, pain is not going to control me. It's not going to control my life, my joy, my peace. And then you repeat it over and over and over. Now, listen, here's the problem. The Bible says that the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh. Guess what? Pain gives birth to pain. If you are a person in pain, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to attract a lot of people or you're going to run a lot of people off. And you say, well, I'm good with attracting people, not the ones that you're going to attract you're not going to be good with. Pain attracts pain. So if you are a miserable person, you might as well go ahead, if you're not willing to acknowledge it, you might as well go ahead and start a miserable small group. Because you're going to be, those are the people you're going to attract. You see, we don't attract who we want. We attract who we are. So you can tell who you are by the people around you. The people around you are a reflection of what's going on in you. If you are around, if I got a group of people that you hung out with and I hung out with you for one hour, I'd be able to tell you what kind of people you are. If all you talked about was how bad life is, how you've been cheated, how you've been robbed, how nothing good ever happens to you, I can tell you, you are a small group of pain. But if I get around people going, life is great, and you start talking about all the possibilities and opportunities and good things that can happen, I can tell you, you are a people that have acknowledged and addressed your pain and said there is no gain in that pain. I'm moving forward. I'm not camping in the campgrounds of pain. Thirty-two point five percent of you like that. We've all grown up experiencing things that have affected our lives, caused us to think the way we think, behave the way we behave, and walk the way we walk, talk the way we talk. We've been influenced. And it's difficult to change things that have been put in us, if you will, by the environment in which we grew up. We talk more about our pain than addressing the pain that we were in. Or we didn't talk about it at all. You were just expected to live with it. Somebody said, I'll live with this pain the rest of my life. That may be true sometimes physically, but I don't believe you have to live with pain in your soul the rest of your life. And I'll fight it the rest of my life. I say, well, it's easy for you. No, it's not. I, I, I wake up and fight it every day. Not just physical, mental and emotional. And relational and vocational. And I'm going to talk about all these different aspects of the pain that you might be going through. The symptoms. You say, well, how can I tell if I'm in pain? I can answer that question. Number one personality change in a way that seems different for that person. You, you're a different person. Somebody says, you know, what's wrong? How many of you ever had somebody ask you what's wrong? It, it, that becomes pretty obvious that probably something has changed, at least in their eyes, you're not the same as you used to be. And it's not rocket science, and that is a great opportunity for you to say, you know, here are a few things that might be. Could you help me process this? That's what Jesus was asking the disciples to do. Could you help me process the pain that I'm in right now? Could you at least pray with me and help me through the pain I'm experiencing? Most of the time, 
we spend all of our time talking about the pain, not how to get rid of the pain. God is bigger than the pain that we're experiencing, but we have to address it in faith, acknowledge it, push through it, surrender to God, and watch and see what happens. So if somebody around you is not acting the way you, you're used to them acting, now some people you don't want them to act the way they've been acting, but I'm talking about when somebody begins to exhibit a different behavior than what has been consistently normal in their life, you can probably bet that there's something going on in their soul. Now, our world right now is in great chaos. It's in great pain. We've got all kinds of issues, and let me just tell you something. There are people in political leadership that are, that's feeding the chaos. I'm not buying into it, and I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going to stay a happy person. I'm not going to let their pain become my pain because I serve a God that paid the price for the pain that we're in right now. And if we just had leadership that would acknowledge God, we need your help here. We want to blame it on all kinds of different things, but this is a human race problem, a fallen humanity If you have any fragment of hate in your heart, it's hate. It's just hate, period. You may demonstrate hate or direct it in one direction, but you are a hateful person. Now, there ain't none of you in here that are right now, but at 930, we had a few people. <laughs> I want to live in a world that I want to live in. I want to create a world I want to live in. I may not change the globe, and I might not change people globally, but I can change me. And in a world of chaos, we still have the power to choose our response to the chaos. Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, a Jewish man who found himself in the gas chambers, but for some reason he wasn't put in one of them, but he was treated as the rest of the Jewish population was treated in those death camps, and he lived to tell his story. And if you think that your soul can't handle any more, read that book, and you'll go, my soul is far more capable of handling more than I've ever handled than I ever thought I could because of the power of God that works in your life. So many stories of people overcoming pain out there that, that have been abused, neglected, rejected. All these different stories. Well, you know, you don't understand my past. I may not understand your past, but I know the future that you can have that does not depend on your past. It depends on your faith. My wife and I grew up in a neighborhood that gave us very little vision and almost no hope. We were lower middle class all the way. You were never told you could be anything, go to college. I mean, anybody went to college out of where I went to, they were the abnormal people. The rest of us were expected just to get by. But something didn't settle in here with me. That, that didn't work for me. My soul was breathing, and I felt like there was more to life and that I had to make decisions to break the curse. And I believe I did that. 
I see it in my kids' lives. I see what they're going through, and I, I watch how they have picked up on it and believe nothing is impossible. It's when you know your soul is functioning at a high level. Number two, agitation or displaying anger. This is you can tell somebody's in emotional pain or suffering, anxiety or moodiness. And don't elbow your spouse right now. Wait till you get home. So you're agitated. When somebody's agitated, it's an indication that their soul has the flu. It's, it's an indication their soul is not well, is sick. And you might ask, you know, I'm not judging you, but how can I help you? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. I was so sick in 2013, mentally, emotionally, I was so ill, I didn't know how ill I was. I was mentally ill. I was mentally sick. I would fly all over the world. I got on an airplane one time in Dubai, flew to China. I was leaving Johannesburg, all over the world. And you'd think, that's a wonderful thing, getting to see the world. I was so depressed that I would get on airplanes and didn't even think about it. I'd put my hand on them and pray they would crash. You did not want to fly with me. And you've got to be thankful that God doesn't answer every prayer. And one time I was telling my friend this, and he said, you're depressed. I said, I'm not depressed. <laughs> I was buried in my soul. And I, I'm always aware now because of that encounter in, in 2013 where I went through about a year and a half of just extreme mental illness. And, you know, I would never have said this before because I never thought anything about it. And besides, you think people will think you're weird. Just tell them your pastor was mentally ill. And you can even tell them there are certain Sundays I still think he is. But it doesn't bother me to share that with you. It doesn't bother me to share my story because it glorifies God because, really, I'm not mentally ill anymore. I just kind of have fun. And, and that's it, just, it's just the way I'm going to live life. That doesn't mean I'm not challenged there, probably on a daily basis to not be happy, not be joyful, not think wrong thoughts, not experience wrong emotions. But you don't have to be ashamed. You, you don't get ashamed when you have a cold or a cough. You don't get ashamed when you don't feel well. You tell somebody, I don't feel good, I can't go. But the minute you start experiencing something in your soul, your soul is hidden, your body's not. Your soul is hidden, so you don't want to reveal what's going on in your soul because you're afraid you'll be judged. And there will be people that will judge you. There will be. There will be people who will be critical of you. Well, how can you're psycho or whatever? That's when you look at them and go, yeah, it's in your next. <laughs> Feed it. I have fun with it now because I realize I was not aware. And then once I became aware, I didn't acknowledge it. I didn't change immediately until I went through crisis. And I thought for the first time in my life, I started peeling back the layers of my soul. See, I didn't want to know what was in there. Because I knew there was a lot in there that needed to come out of there, and I didn't know where to put it. So it causes you pain afraid of losing people and you might lose some people but you'll gain a whole lot of healthy people because everybody has issues folks you're not alone and if somebody calls you cray cray say welcome to my party <laughs> you see 
the devil would love for you to live the rest of your life agitated, moody, angry, anxious. The third way you can tell someone is in pain. And this, I want you to get this because you, you have family members. You may have older kids. You may even have younger kids. And you may have a spouse that, that you can't figure out what's going on. But they, people in emotional pain withdraw and isolate themselves from others. I had done that, and I didn't realize that. I would leave preaching on Sunday five times in the morning, Sunday mornings. And I would go home, and I would isolate myself in front of a football game. And I didn't think about it because I love sports. But the reality, it wasn't the sports that were attracting me. It was me isolating myself and keeping myself away from people. I had crowds of thousands that would listen every Sunday, and I would go home and feel like the loneliest guy in the world. I didn't know how lonely I was. I didn't know how sick I was until I went through hell. And I went through the pain, and I finally said, I, I got to get well. And I spent two years getting well. And I am so well right now. Thank God. Praise Jesus. I mean, I, I, I've, I just with the help of many people, have been able to navigate through the pain. And it still confronts me. It's still, a, it's still always hovering around. But most of the time, I address it in a way that is redemptive and healing. I wish it was all the time, but most of the time. I just want you to feel okay when you don't feel okay. You see what I'm saying? You don't want to stay not okay, but you need to feel okay when you're not okay so you can get okay. Okay? <laughs> Poor self-care and perhaps engaging in risky behavior. In other words, you don't care anymore. How many times people say, well, I just don't care. I just don't care. We can see that you don't care. You're not taking care of yourself. You're doing things that, that are out of the norm for you. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is rather than judging someone and taking advantage of how they are not feeling well, help them out. Pray for them. Tell them, I'm praying for you. See, I'd never ask anybody to pray for me because I thought, me and God, we got this. And I just want all of you to pray for me every day. And don't just throw me in there with a lump of other people. No, 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 no. Use my name. You, you can call God, I'm praying for my church family, and Pastor Mark Anthony Crow. I want my name thrown up to the kingdom. Don't just put me in a cloud of people. Say, well, that's selfish. Well, I'm asking. Nobody else has asked you. I'm saying, put me out there. Jesus go. I know him. Yeah, he does need help. <laughs> I'm sure that would be his response. Yeah, he needs some help. I'm glad you asked. And then lastly, hopelessness or feelings of being overwhelmed and worthless. I don't know how many of you have ever felt overwhelmed, worthless, hopeless. We live in a world that is feeling hopeless right now. Inflation, mandates. Doesn't set well with free people. 
people getting mad at each other. I want us to be able to, to be well in our soul. Measuring stick for me personally is this. That if I can have a conversation with someone who totally disagrees with me, I'm still okay. I can have any conversation you want. You can believe in anything you want to believe. Now, I may disagree with you and not agree uh, that, that I mean, you're not going to maybe get well based on what I know, but that doesn't mean I have to not like you. I, I don't, I'm not going to not like you. That's when I can tell I'm whole in my soul. When somebody walks out of a conversation because they get mad, they got a sick soul. Now, I, that's a broad brush statement right there, but listen to me. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's at work in us, we can control ourselves. I can't control you, but I can control me. Now, I may dismiss myself from a conversation that I'm not being edified by, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to be mad in departing that conversation. You see what I'm saying? Now, I couldn't say this 10 years ago. I would not have been able to say this, but I can say it today because I, I just recently had a conversation with some people, and it was really interesting with the perspectives that were out there. Most of the things or many I didn't agree with, but it's okay. You see what I'm saying? My soul doesn't need your approval. All I need to do is love you because the Bible says love never fails. So I don't have to have your approval. I don't have to have you agree with me for me to like you and for me to love you. Now, that's a, that's a big hurdle to get over for most of us in life because the people that we have around us, we want them to be like us. And the reality is the diversity is wonderful. The beauty of God's creation is that we're all different. We don't, we, we're different colors. We have different fingerprints. We have different personalities. I love what God has done. Now, I, I hate how we've messed it up. But I love what God has done. And that's how you can tell you've got a healthy soul. Now, I'm really quickly going to walk through this because most of the time we only deal with the physical, but there's mental. What do I do when I'm mentally challenged? For me, this one's an easier thought than the next one. Mentally, I know the Bible says that we are to renew our minds by the washing with the water of his word. So the Bible actually keeps our minds fresh and renewed. When I know that I'm going through something, I find a scripture that helps me get through it. And actually, I have so many committed to memory that when I'm going through something, I remember if I don't forgive, I won't be forgiven. Mark, you've got to forgive. You've got to let it go. You've got to move on. Forget the past. Forget what lies behind. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I can capture that thought. Hold it. Don't let that thought go. Don't let it grow. Capture it. And then your emotions. Say, I'm not going to let feelings make my decisions for me. And let me say something here. If you're going through something, go to the Bible. Don't go to your emotions. Remember, if you have pain, you will give birth to more pain. So in the midst of your pain, back off and say, I'm going to see what the Holy Spirit's saying. I'm going to see what the Bible says. The Bible becomes the guide in crisis and emotional. And so many people get angry. There are people, Jesse will tell you, in prison today, not because they were bad people, but one emotion drove them to do something that they're sorry for the rest of their life, and they're paying for it. Many people incarcerated are not bad people. They just made one bad decision, one bad choice, and now they're behind bars the rest of their life because they couldn't contain their emotions.
Their feelings drove them to do something that has cost them and will cost them the rest of their lives. Now, many of us have made wrong decisions out of emotional crises, and maybe it wasn't breaking the law, but you hurt somebody. And most of the time, how many of you know if you hurt somebody, their natural nature is to hurt you back and then to say, now we can forgive? We're not called to pay back evil for e with evil. We're called to forgive. Somebody has to stop the domino fall. You've got to stop it. And if we go to the Word of God, we can stop it and say, I'm not giving in to my emotions. When Jesus is emotional, traumatized, mostly traumatized in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing he's going to have to pay for the sins of mankind. Let me tell you something. The physical pain that Jesus experienced on the cross was marginal compared to the emotional pain that he was feeling in that moment. Think about that one sin that you've committed. Some of you think you've only committed one. But every time you commit a sin, and you know it's a sin, and you know you shouldn't have done it, think about the pain that you feel over that one sin. Jesus took billions and billions of sin on the cross in his soul. I cannot imagine the anguish. I, I'm telling you, I'm thinking Jesus, I know he felt the pain of the nails being driven into his body, but I think the greater pain that overshadowed that pain was knowing that he was taking the sin of every human being, past, present, and future, in his soul. But he had already surrendered to the God who could take that away. We have to surrender to the, to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I don't know what to do with this pain, but you do, and here it is. Every day, that is a prayer I pray. God, help me with the pain that comes at my soul every day. Every day. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And there's relational pain. Jesus was experiencing that in the Garden of Gethsemane. The three top disciples falling asleep on him while he is getting ready to be betrayed. And yet, Jesus did not reject them, even though it appeared that they were rejecting him. He did not reject them. You see, when you know your soul is whole, you don't reject people who've rejected you. You don't quit on people who've let you down. You don't quit just because somebody hurt you. Your soul is whole. You see, a lot of Christians, when you make one mistake, a lot of Christians will write you off because they don't want to be around somebody who's made a known mistake. They forget they've made a lot of mistakes that are equally as bad as yours, and there is no category for a sin. There are consequences that are different, but every sin is the same in the eyes of God but not in the eyes of humanity. The eyes of humanity, that we have our list of worst sins. But the reality is, sin is sin. So if people have rejected you and neglected you and you have relational trauma or pain, don't do what they do. Don't be attracted to the pain they're experiencing. Don't let it connect itself to you. And then lastly, vocational slash professional pain. And this one's very, very real. There was a global survey done on, 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 around the world, and I don't know how many people were surveyed, but at the end of the survey, it came back that 85% of people around the globe 
hate their jobs. Only 15%. And can I just tell you all something? I'm one of the 15% because I love preaching to you every week. I, I just can't even imagine. I love this. I, Susan goes, when are you going to retire? I said, like, never. Why would you retire from something you love to do? Be like asking somebody you love to play golf. Are you going to quit? Are you kidding me? I'm going to chase that white ball around the rest of my life. Probably die on a tee box. And I, I'm not saying that to be critical of the 85%. I'm just saying what would change the 85%? If your soul is whole, you say, well, I don't like my boss. I don't like the working conditions. I don't like the hours. I don't like my coworkers. I don't like the location. <clears throat> you can go down the list. And one of two things can happen. Either you can ask God to transfer you into a job you might like better or that you will like better or to change your attitude about the current job that you're in. Believe it or not, God can make your soul whole in the midst of a situation you don't like. So you can address any and all of these, these pains, but most of the pains in life are invisible. I don't know if it's true, but one article I read one time said 80% of all physical illness is psychosomatic, the result of not thinking right not feeling right, allowing those things in your soul to create toxins in your body that poison your physical person. It's important that your soul is whole. Now, next week, I've got a whole list of things that are going to help you and help all of us. But I want you to get these things down in you. Ask yourself the question first. Is my personality changed? Am I moody? Am I angry? Am I not taking care of myself? Am I taking risks that I wouldn't normally take? Ask yourself these questions because it's very important. Right now, there are many people who are confused. They're scared. They're staying home. Some of you are home because you're afraid of COVID. And COVID is going to be with us the rest of our lives. So you get to determine when you stop allowing that to determine what you're going to do. Can I be that bold? And people are going to die just like they do from the flu and heart disease and diabetes and everything else. And, but, but because our political leaders have made this such a big deal and they've not told the truth about everything that's going on, they've instilled fear into our society, creating pain, separation, isolation, frustration, everything else, people hating on each other. And I'm here to tell you it's time for you to rise up and say, no longer will I allow pain and fear to control my life. Trust me, if you can shop at Walmart, you can go to church. I'm telling you that right now. I can drive on the parking lot and feel disease. When I go, I walk around with my phone out and camera taking pictures too. It's really entertaining, I got to tell you. When you see somebody with boots and a Speedo, you know you're at Walmart. <laughs> I hope my niece is not watching. She's a buyer for them. But the reality is, folks, it's time to laugh again. It's time to love again. It's time to live again. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for 
never leaving us, never forsaking us, being with us always. God, I'm so grateful. And I ask you, Lord, today to help us to address the pains in our lives, knowing that you paid the price for us to live a life victorious, overcoming in this world. So we're going to trust you, God. We're going to step up. We're going to trust you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We never like to leave a church service without praying for those who don't know Jesus. I can see how fear would apprehend any of us without having the hope of eternity. So I'm going to pray a prayer and ask all of you in here to pray it with me. And those of you watching online, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to suffer and die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare today I am forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd like to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Put your name in there if you would too, and we'll pray for you. 405-500-1310. Just put SAVED in the text box in your name. We'd love to pray for you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.